We came home from the hospital and obviously had no baby to come home to. I was kind of looking into what are all of these things that help parents after loss. And I was just like so inspired by those things and how much they helped me begin my grieving process. Megan Wissib and her husband Mike experienced everyone's worst nightmare, the loss of a child. It's a terrible story and a really sad story, but it's not the complete story. I'm Elizabeth Pearson-Gar, and this episode of The Experience Podcast is not what you may expect. It is heavy, yes, but wait until you hear what Megan has done with her life-altering experience. I really appreciate you coming to do this. Thank you. I'm really impressed by how you could turn something that would be such a heartbreak into something that's so giving and generous, so outward-focused. So can we just go back a a little? Mm -hmm. So you had a healthy pregnancy. I mean, it seemed like you didn't have any complications. Yep. I myself had plenty of symptoms. I have a weird uterus, but it didn't really affect why it's pregnancy at all. You know, there were things that I was high risk for, but it wasn't really affecting Wyatt at all. Every ultrasound we had was he's such a happy little guy and he's moving all around. So there was no warning. So I was seeing doctors, high risk doctors and things because of myself. And it was at one of those high risk doctor ultrasounds that we just went in. I had felt that morning. I had known that I hadn't been feeling Wyatt move, but you know, with kick count rules, it's like, oh, give it two hours, you know, to count to 10 kick counts. And I was going to have a doctor's appointment in two hours. So I was like, it'll be fine. But I did still kind of have it in the back of my head. And then we went to the ultrasound and there was just no heartbeat. And it was just out of nowhere, 36 weeks, 36 weeks, three days was the day was uh, day that we found out he had died. We don't know, you know, I assume it probably happened in the night because the night before was actually our last birthing class. So he was super active at the birthing class and things like that. And then the next morning he was gone. I can't even imagine that scenario. I can't imagine being in that appointment and, and getting that kind of news uh, ever, but there you are, you've got the due date on the calendar, just a couple of weeks away, everything probably prepared for his arrival. I, I, how did you even handle that? Screamed a lot. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was, I can remember like every second of finding out what the nurse said, what the doctor said, things like that getting in the car and calling my mom and telling her, you know, heartbreak. Yeah. And, and our doctor's appointment was at the hospital. So they had said, you can go home and you can pack a bag. We had our overnight bags ready to go, (laughs) but they said, you can go home and do that. Or you can just go right around to the other side of the hospital. And we were like, we're not going home. Our home is full of baby things. So we just decided to go right to the hospital and, my husband, Mike's parents lived in town too. So the parents went to our house for us and like packed some stuff for us, and brought it to the hospital. 
and it just kind of all got started. We were actually initially supposed to have a C-section with Wyatt. And so we discussed, do we still want to have a C-section? But of course I had been eating that day. So, so it would take several hours before basically we decided to just have a natural birth. And, and then of course it took like 11 hours of like mm. screaming pain because the epidural didn't work fully and, and it ended up being terrible. I mean, you know, it was obviously, I say March 2nd was the worst day of my life. That was when we found out um, March 3rd, he was born that morning and that wasn't the worst day. It was like, okay, we got to hold our baby. He was here. And so we have good memories on the third and the fourth because of the cuddle cot <laughs> and our, our nurses, you know, we had a great team. So we had, you know, our, our memories with him. And then the fifth, when we had to leave, that was like the second worst day of just having to physically hand my baby over, you know, and say goodbye. What a journey. Thank you for sharing it as such a personal thing. And I, it's really horrendous, such a tragedy. And you're not the only one who's had to go through this. Right. It's his story, you know, for how sad it is. I like sharing it because I know there are so many other people who go through similar things, especially like the older generation. They're like, wow, I had none of that. They took my baby away from me and they told me to basically sweep it under the rug. Don't talk about it. <sighs> For me, that's not how I, I grieve. I grieve by talking about it and sharing. And he was a real person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to share his story with whoever wants to listen. And no matter how sad it is. I mean, that's why I obviously at the beginning, I used to cry all the time telling the story. And it's been five years now of talking about it. And it makes me more happy because it's like, people want to hear about Wyatt. So I want to talk about him. Was there ever determined why he died? We did get an autopsy. That was part of the reason that we wanted the cuddle cod and, and ice packs and things to keep him cool. We were very, you know, very much wanted answers. It was kind of twofold. I had had a placenta abruption that just wasn't caught. And I, there was some sort of cord error when he was born the cord was not wrapped around him, but there were marks on different parts of his body that kind of showed that the cord obviously had been tightened around him. So they think he lost oxygen to the cord. So we don't know if the two things were connected, one caused the other. I have not personally read the autopsy report ever. I, I would I, understand. You know, I don't want to. And, but we do know, you know, it was two things. It wasn't it wasn't anything genetic. So that's a positive as far as trying to get pregnant and things like that. Again, we try all, all along to try and find the positives and the blessings out of losing a child, mm -hmm. which is impossible to do. But there were things that, oh, it could have been worse. Well, I think one of the positives is what you're doing. You've created this amazing charity where you're blessing other people with all of your knowledge and then the money you're raising. So his yeah. legacy is living on through your good works. Yeah. It's amazing when people reach out, 
who I've either never met before or people from my high school who maybe I still had no clue who they were, Mm -hmm. but they've heard of me through Facebook or, you know, through friends of friends of friends who have said, oh, you should talk to Megan. She's gone through this. And it's like, wow, I had no idea that I was making, you know, that much of an impact of people from far away or... That's one thing that I've learned in this podcast is people just speaking out and realizing we're not alone. Like people who are willing to kind of share their truths or their their hardships or their real selves and just that feeling of, oh, I'm not the only one who's going through this. If it's just a bad day to a major life tragedy, you're never really alone. There's always other people who can understand and support you. And that's kind of a beautiful thing about not just keeping it to yourself. Yes. Yes. And, and the great, there's a lot of bad things about social media, but one of the great things about social media is finding others who can support you or who you can support. So for sure, that is something that has, has actually been another blessing is being able to find like the support groups and the friends and things like that. Can you tell me a little bit about how Wishes for Wyatt came about and how you were able to kind of channel your energy that way? Yeah. So it was almost an immediate thing. We came home from the hospital and obviously had no baby to come home to. And it was just, I immediately started doing research into cuddle cots because I had obviously no clue what that was until one of the nurses explained to me what it was in the hospital. And then A few weeks later, we received our Wyatt bear, which is the weighted bear. So I was kind of looking into what are all of these things that help parents after loss. And I was just like so inspired by those things and how much they helped me begin my grieving process that I knew right away, I want to do something with Wyatt's legacy and start raising money for these two specific things. Because I felt like if that's where I can focus my attention, obviously it was a huge amount of sadness and and grief at the time, but it, it gave me something to look forward to or so, you know something to spend my mind thinking about other than how sad I was. You mentioned a few times the cuddle cots, and I, I was mm-hmm. wondering if you can um, go into more detail about what that is and how that helped you in those couple of days in the hospital. So a cuddle cot is essentially uh, an electronic device that you pour water into and it cools the water. And then there's like a little pipe that goes into this little blanket that is then wrapped in your baby blankets and then wrapped around your baby. So it's a cooling blanket that allows the child to keep cool and stops him from having to go down to the morgue. And for me specifically, it was allowing him to stay in the room with me at all times. I didn't ever have to say goodbye to him 20 different times during the day because you could only hold him for five minutes before he would start getting too warm. Because again, for us personally, we wanted to make sure that his body was staying properly cold to be able to get an autopsy. I see. So that was our, that was like our personal reasons at the beginning for wanting it. 
Other people just want it because they want to be able to bond with their child. And that was a positive for me. I was able to take pictures of Wyatt and we were able to have friends and family come and see him and hold him because of the cuddle cot. It's interesting because for about the first maybe 12 hours or 24 hours while we were there, I didn't know what the cuddle cot was. He was wrapped in it, but he was in the little bassinet. And so I just kind of like touched him. I didn't really ever pick him up too much. And then one of the nurses finally told me like, you can sleep with him if you want. He's wrapped in this thing called a cuddle cot. And that was when I finally learned what it was. And it was like life-changing for me because it was like, well, I can hold him this whole time. And and then that was when I was able to take pictures and, you know, do all a lot more bonding with him when I found out that it was okay for me to have him. And, it, and did that really help you emotionally with your process? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, for me specifically, I'm a photography person. I love taking pictures of everything and being allowed to hold him and have pictures of me and my husband and family members holding him and putting rings on his toes or, you know, having his finger hold our fingers, all these things the cuddle cot allowed us to do because he was allowed to be in the room with us and we were allowed to move him around and things like that. As long as we kept his body wrapped up as much as we could. And not every hospital has those, right? Were you just fortunate that where you were happened to have one and they just happened to bring it to you? Is that right? Yep. This was five years back when I started doing the research on it. But in the United States, it was like 10% of hospitals actually have cuddle cots because they're not something that hospitals are going to spend money on. They cost $3,000 and it's, it's not something that is necessary. So they come from a company in Europe and in other countries, it's like, oh, every hospital has them or, you know, 90% of the hospitals in the United States, it's like no one has them. For the most part, the hospitals that do have them are, are from donations, people who have lost kids and seen the impact and we purchase them and donate. <laughs> so how many have you donated now? We have donated five and kind of our, our thing is, oh, a cuddle cot in every state. So when you were in the hospital and they just said you can have a couple of days here with him and then you'll need to leave. And so during that time, he had his cuddle cot. And then you said you also had the bear that was gifted to you. Yes, we didn't get Wyatt Bear for the next couple of weeks. Healing Embrace are the ones that make these weighted birthday bears. My neighbor was able to make this connection when she heard about my loss and between her and, and our other neighbor, Heather, they got all the information about why it, why it's weight and, you know, that he was a boy and his name and all this stuff and, and healing embrace sent me our Wyatt bear. And that is another life-changing thing is having Wyatt bear. His initial, um, I say he, because literally we treat him as Wyatt. I mean, (laughs) with my son, Wyatt Bear is like his brother. They play, they take pictures, they snuggle. At the beginning, Wyatt Bear's main purpose was laying on my chest because I didn't have a baby to lay on my chest. 
and Wyatt Bear weighed six pounds, five ounces. And he just was so comforting having that pressure. And so that is like the biggest, uh, I think the biggest purpose for these weighted bears. It's a brilliant idea. Whoever yes. came up with that, to have that <laughs> I know. comfort and that exact weight of your baby at birth. Mm-hmm. So you also <laughs> raise money for them as well then, Healing Embrace. Yes. So Healing Embrace, obviously they make the weighted birthday bears. My Wyatt bear obviously is large because he was six and a half pounds. They also can make smaller ones, you know, if you have a miscarriage or they can make it work <laughs> for, for any size, which is so great because you, you know, so many people, even with having a miscarriage, it gets swept under the rug and with healing embrace healing, it stands for helping everyone after loss. It doesn't matter when you lost your baby. It was a loss. So they do that and they they help provide grief counseling. They have support groups both in person and online. And then they also provide like care packages. Someone can purchase to give to a friend or family who have lost and and they make those super personalized to, you know, are there siblings, boys or girls? mom and dad, you know, who's in the household. So it's really cool. Oh, that's lovely. That's where our, most of our other money has gone. <laughs> on your journey, you said the second hardest day was on March 5th when you had to leave. So you had to say goodbye to Wyatt. And then you also had to go home without the baby. Yes. That had to have been really hard because that was never the plan. Obviously, none of this was the plan. In So in the hospital... Another blessing were our nurses. I truly believe we had the best team. So we had discussed ahead of time. They said, we're going to have a timeline. We decided we'll leave at noon on Sunday. And so we kind of worked backward and said, okay, at 10 o'clock, we're going to take the baby out of the room and you're going to get up and take a shower. So they really had the day planned out. So I knew I could start wrapping my mind around saying goodbye and then they, they said, at noon, when you leave, you have to hand him to me. I can't take him away from you. I want, you know, you need to hand him to me. So that was incredibly hard. <laughs> and, and of course, they were great about it. And then having to leave, they had like cleared the halls and things because I was just sobbing, you know, leaving. Of course. Um, I'm glad they were so thoughtful then, about it. That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean... <laughs> They were the best, which is why I wanted like my same team when I had Aaron, <laughs> oh. uh, my second child. It was like we worked with the same, same nurses, same doctors, oh, things like that. How lovely, kind of full circle. We just, it, yes, we had the best connection. So over the weekend while we were in the hospital, our our families did go to our house and just kind of collected everything and put as much as they could in Wyatt's closet. And anything that couldn't fit in the closet was just kind of like against a wall in his room. Door was shut. His door probably stayed shut for many months because I couldn't even like look in there. So yeah, I mean, it was (laughs) terrible coming home to an empty house. And, you know, it just was a lot of crying. And in the next month or two, we actually did stay pretty busy with visitors. That seemed helpful. People kind of would just 
sign up on a day to come over and visit. So that again, allowed us to talk about Wyatt, allowed us to talk about anything we wanted to. There were times that I'd just kind of get up and go lay down on the couch while people were there because it was too much, but it is what it is. It's just kind of a blur of, I don't Sounds healthy though. You know, you just allowed yourself to be. If you needed to talk, you talk. If you need to rest, you needed to rest because in the midst of this, your body is still healing too. I mean, giving birth is a major trauma for your body. So you were going through so much. I mean, I hope you just gave yourself a lot of grace through all of that because I can't imagine somebody going through so much all at once. So you were going through all of that. And then these ideas of wishes for why it came through that you wanted to channel this into, into some charity work. And so how many months after all that did you begin having the energy to start raising the money and start the charity? So it really wasn't too many months. I was a nanny at the time. And so my boss was in marketing. And so she helped me start creating a website. We lost Wyatt in March. I can't remember if we started the website in June or July. So it was just a few months of brainstorming, getting some ideas, getting our story written down and, okay, what are the things we wanted to raise money for? So then it started in in the summer of 2017. That was when we first started the Wyatt's Wheels. Can you describe um, that? It's so cute. I've gone on your website and your yeah. your social media and everything. It's like a little kid's car with the top to it and you can deliver it to different houses. Yes. One of those little cozy coops. I had spray painted it and I'm a big crafting cricket girl. So I cricketed and we decided to call it Wyatt's Wheels because I had decided at the beginning that everything we did, I wanted Wyatt's name in it because I wanted it Mm -hmm. to be his. So Wyatt's Wheels, being a nanny and I have a teaching degree, kids are like my entire life. So I knew I wanted it to be fun and kid friendly. So of course, one of these little cozy coupe cars. So basically that's what it was. It was, you know, you pay this much to our GoFundMe page And then you give it to a friend and have them pay or, and then take a picture and post on social media. Because of course that was something we were pushing also was spreading our social media, uh, which is for Wyatt page and um, getting people to go out visit the website and just start spreading awareness. And then you could pay more money and then we could take it for you and you could pay even more money and we'd go take it and put it on someone's yard, you know, whatever. There was a whole bunch of really smart. Yeah. And it was a great jumping off point for wishes for Wyatt. Yeah. To really get the word out and bring levity to it too. You know, so much joy to see people, some bigger kids were climbing in there and some of the pictures and stuff is really cute. (laughs) It's very creative. I I really enjoyed that. And then you've also done other things. Like it looked like you do big events, almost like Olympics kinds of competitions. And it just seems like you have a lot of energy around creating events to raise money. (laughs) That, I feel like, have my father to thank for that. He's always very creative when it comes to anything, making something fun, making something big and a spectacle. (laughs) And again, you know, all of our stuff has really been kid focused. So yes, we did Minute to Win It games and we had tons of people donate raffle prizes for a few of our different events which were huge money makers for us. So yeah, we've done that. We've done cornhole tournaments at 
trampoline parks a couple times. We did a, a daycare event, like a parents' day out that was chaotic, <laughs> but tons of fun. <laughs> and and if I hadn't gotten pregnant with Aaron, we probably would have done that again the following year because so many parents said do it again. <laughs> we'll pay double. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then since COVID hit, you know, we obviously had to move a lot more stuff online. So prior to COVID, we started apparel sales because once again, I like to craft and do my cricket. So I make apparel. And then once COVID hit, we really did March Madness. And we we just finished our third year of March Madness, which is great because it gets the word out to a lot of people on social media. And it's not terribly difficult for me to set up. <laughs> and people are still able to get involved. And word still gets out. Awareness is still happening but we're not all getting together in one big group. And how does it feel for you when people are, well, either gathering together virtually or literally and all this money is Mm -hmm. being raised and why its name is right up there front and center? It's amazing. I love it because I think that it's spreading so much awareness every time somebody goes to our Facebook page or someone comments on something or, you know, anything or someone new is getting involved because you don't know everybody's stories. You don't know why they've signed up or, you know, maybe they feel this personally, or maybe they're just like, Hey, I just wanted to do a cornhole tournament. (laughs) That's fine with me. I don't care what your reasons are. (laughs) The point is you're here, you're, you're getting involved and you're helping us spread the word. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So you mentioned your son, he's two and a half, you said, Aaron. So a couple Mm -hmm. years after you lost Wyatt, you got pregnant again? Yes. We actually started trying just a few months after losing Wyatt, but we then had unexplained infertility. (laughs) So we went through infertility. Oh yeah. Yes. It was a lot. It took us 10 months to get pregnant with Wyatt to begin with, but with no like extra anything, it was just us trying and that was hard enough. And then to lose him, and then when we started trying again, it again just wasn't working. So we worked with our same doctor and ended up having to go to IVF specialist and went through that whole process. Had several rounds of Clomid, IUIs, and two rounds of IVF until, and then we finally got pregnant with Aaron. But once again, the blessings that I find out of these things <laughs> is going through the infertility process was so hard that having wishes for Wyatt to focus on was a great thing for me. You know, if I had gotten pregnant right away, I don't know that I would have been able to grieve Wyatt for as long as I did. I wouldn't have been able to build wishes for Wyatt and really do all of these events. So yes, it was terribly hard while it was happening, but when you go back and look at it, I, I feel like it happened the way it needed to happen. And and then we actually found out we were pregnant with Aaron on Wyatt's birthday. And that was amazing. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was very exciting. <laughs> and then during that pregnancy, did you feel extra nervous or were you able to just put that behind you? So the first 10 weeks, we were very nervous. And then we actually had a scare with Aaron at the very beginning. They thought that 
he had something wrong with his brain. Something came up on a scan. So that was at our 10-week appointment that that happened. So we did genetic testing and all of this testing. And then to go in at 12 weeks and everything was completely fine. It was like a miracle. I mean, literally our high-risk doctor said, this is a miracle. If I hadn't seen what I saw two weeks ago, I never would have believed that this child in this ultrasound has anything wrong with him. So at that point, between finding out we were pregnant on Wyatt's birthday, you know, we always felt like he was the guardian angel. And then having that like just miracle happen where whatever it was that they saw went away, it really relieved so much pressure. It made me feel like everything is going to be okay. And it was the rest of my pregnancy, pregnancy symptoms. Well, all that was, you know, normal, but he had a great birth. It was super easy (laughs) and it was just kind of the exact opposite experience with what, what happened with Wyatt. And like you had said before, it was very healing and doing that with my same group of doctors and nurses and things like that. It was full circle and it was great. (laughs) So I'm so happy for you that you got to have that experience. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And now you're pregnant again and you're about to have another baby. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a couple days away, having had the the good pregnancy with Aaron and the the good experience, it has been a lot easier to stay calm and not over exaggerate anything. There've definitely been little things here and there that I'm like, okay, we're still going to call the doctor. We're still going to get an extra scan, but yeah, a few more days. I assume you talk about Wyatt a lot with Aaron and He's still an active part of your family. Yep, absolutely. Whenever we do family photos or Easter, Christmas, we have our Wyatt bear in our photos. And, you know, he gets Aaron Christmas presents and Easter presents. That's just our special traditions that we're starting with him. And he's in every, I mean, his pictures are all over our house. Because like I said, I'm a, I'm a picture person. Aaron knows who he is, you know, so we, we say goodnight to him at night, and things like that. So being only two and a half, he's not quite, doesn't understand everything, but he is very much a part of our life and will always be a part of our life. I wanted to read something that you had written because I thought it was really moving and see how you react to it now. Before March, I had never seen myself as brave. I never really had a reason to be, but having to leave my baby at the hospital on March 5th, 2017 changed me. Now I live so that my child will not be forgotten, and so his precious life had meaning. Bravery for me is waking up each day smiling and optimistic that God has a plan for Wyatt, sharing his story with the world, and not being afraid to cry when my emotions get the best of me. And I just think that's so lovely, because I think everybody is brave, and I'm glad that you were able to see your bravery come out through this because to go through something like this took so much strength and courage. And now to be able to talk about it and to share it with others shows another level of your strength and courage. And so I'm glad that you can see that in yourself. And I'm grateful that you are sharing it with other people. Thank you. Definitely. I mean, it, it completely changed our lives and the lives of so many people in my family and friends. But I mean, like I said before, everybody's different. You know, everyone reacts 
to grief differently. But for me, sharing his story is something that makes me happy. And knowing that I'm able to help, I'm able to share my own details of like, oh, this is how I dealt with this situation with people who have come up to me recently. I mean, even in the past year who have said, I just lost my baby. What do I do? Or my best friend just lost her baby. What do I do? Being able to share, okay, I'm starting this off by saying everyone is different. So, you know, you do what you want to do or react how you want to react. But here's how I reacted to X, Y, and Z negative comments or comments that people make thinking they're helping, but really it's like, okay, you've never been in this situation. So you don't know trying to give people who are truly trying to help a little bit of grace in that they don't know the thing they said could be offensive. They're just trying to help look at it from their side. It is true. People don't know what to say when somebody Mm -hmm. has, has lost a family member, particularly there's a lot of, should I say anything? Should I ignore them? Should I bring it up? Should I not bring it up? And mostly Mm -hmm. what I've heard is just, just be there. Like, just tell them that you care and you love them. But it is true. If you haven't walked in those shoes, really no need to offer advice. I know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Especially, I think my best piece of advice is tell them if you want to talk about your baby, tell them you want to talk about your baby. Say, this makes me happy. It might make me cry, but it makes me happy. And if you don't want to, then same thing. Say, I'd rather not talk about it right now. Yeah. People aren't mind readers. Yeah. Yeah. And accept help. That's the biggest thing I think I learned was if someone offers you help, accept it. It'll make them feel better because they feel like they're doing something and it'll make you feel better because then you don't have to cook a meal or you don't have to get groceries that day or, you know, anything. Another piece of advice for your next couple months with a new baby. Yes. Accept all the help again. (laughs) (laughs) What are some other resources that were particularly helpful for you in your process of grieving? Were there support groups, either online or, or local, or what do you think was most helpful for you? For me, the best support groups that I was involved and still am involved in are online, like Facebook support groups, because I like being able to search my question or, you know, search the thing that I'm having trouble with and not actually like write about it. But it's like, oh, this group of 10,000 people, someone else has had this same issue. So I like that. And then obviously you're reading so many people's stories and um, getting to bond with people that way. I saw a counselor briefly a few months after my loss. It didn't really work out for me. I felt like I was already kind of knowing what I needed to do. So what I was getting out of counseling sessions wasn't supporting me in the ways that I needed to, I guess. And we never did group therapies or anything like that in person, other than, I mean, I have like two best friends who I've met. (laughs) One is the founder of Healing Embrace. (laughs) She and I are best friends. We talk several times a day. And, And then another friend that lost her daughter shortly after we lost Wyatt. So the three of us really became close friends. So I guess we're our own little support group. (laughs) And we've all had children since then. So we supported each other through 
the pregnancy after loss, everything and parenting after loss. So those things are my most important thing or or like my little tribe of lost moms that totally understand and you can run to for anything and they'll give you advice they can or, you know, share experiences, share stories, or just sit there with you and cry with you or be mad with you or, you know, whatever you're feeling at the time. Because it's just those people who who have been through similar situations and, and can get it. They're just kind of holding space for you for what you yeah. need at that time. Mm-hmm. And you could do the same for them. Mm-hmm. It's good to have people like that that are outside. I mean, you've got your husband, but he's in the same space, in the same literal space and dealing with the same issues. So it's, I think it's wonderful to have other friends too, that can. Yeah. And of course, that's of course, beside the point of saying like our, our families and friends have been another blessing. You know, we've had a very supportive group of family and friends who all acknowledge Wyatt, which is such a huge thing in our families. Wyatt was the first grandchild and then also like the first huge loss. So the way that people have just kind of like let us lead, this is how we want to remember Wyatt. They let us do it and they talk about him. So we've been very lucky in that way too. So I don't want to leave them out. (laughs) (laughs) I really admire you for turning your pain into into so much promise for other people. And and also, like you said, spreading the awareness, keeping Wyatt's memory front and center. It's it's really admirable what you've done. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for wanting to do this. I appreciate yeah. you making the time, especially in this Absolutely. really busy time of your life. So <laughs> Aaron's asleep now. We're good. <laughs> oh, he's pretty good about going to bed then. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's probably asleep or, or reading books. He's pretty good at going to bed. And Mike's dealing with it. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I wish you the best and I thank you for taking the time to do this and it's been lovely to talk with you. Yes, it was great. Thank you so much. To me, Megan embodies strength, courage, and beauty. Creating something to help others in the midst of her own suffering shows the best of humanity. I'd like to thank Megan for sharing this very personal experience on my podcast. And some exciting news. Megan gave birth to a healthy baby boy just five days after our interview. I feel like we can all learn so much from Megan. Here are a few of my takeaways from our conversation. Number one, there are blessings around every corner if we just choose to look for them. Two, if you share your truths, your hardships, your real self, you'll find you're not alone. Three, no one is a mind reader. Tell people what you want and what you need and accept offers of help. Four, whatever you're going through, Find your tribe of people who understand and support you. They're out there. And finally, number five, think about what bravery looks like to you. We all have it in different forms. Notice it in yourself and in others. Appreciate it. Embrace it. If you're interested in learning more about Wishes for Wyatt, check out the show notes for this episode on our website, theexperiencepodcast.net. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and find out how to follow us on social media. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd tell a few friends about it too. I'm Elizabeth Pearson Gar. Thank you for joining the experience. <laughs>